0: Welcome back to 1A, a podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Columbia, South Carolina. 1A is a podcast designed to take a brief but in-depth look at counseling issues from a pastoral perspective. Reverend Squires is the pastor of counseling here at First Presbyterian Church. This is the sixth episode on depression where Reverend Squires and I take a look at the correlation between our personal sin and depression. If you have any comments about our show or a question about something you hear on this episode, please don't hesitate to contact us. You can find all of our contact info on our website at firstpresscolumbia.org. If you would like to stay updated on when a new episode is released, download our app. You can do so by searching for the First Presbyterian Church of Columbia SC in the app store of your choice. We hope this ministry is a blessing to you and those around you. Let's get to the conversation. Welcome back to
1: 1A. I am your host, Josh Squires, and joining me... Once again is our intern to biblical counseling, Josh Adair. Josh, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing well, Josh. Thanks so much for asking, man. It's really good to be back with you again to continue our conversation around depression.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm looking forward. I, I think you've got a couple more questions for me, and, and then sure. we'll see uh, what questions other people have or other topics people want us to take. So why don't you just tell us what questions you have for us this time around?
0: Sure. So I thought, Josh, you and I have been talking in between the last two episodes we did, which, just recap, we did what's the phenomenon of depression, how does Scripture acknowledge the phenomenon of depression, and then we particularly, these last two episodes, spoke about what is a gospel lens to depression— look like. And we talked about the life and person and work of Christ and how Christ sees us in the midst of our depression, and we also talked about what is, a, what is a gospel pattern to move the depressed forward in a gracious way, in a way that our Lord would relate to them, that I thought was really powerful. But since then, you and I have had some conversations, and you brought up the concern. A tension that we've faced throughout these two episodes, throughout this whole series, is how do we give counsel that doesn't end up like Job's friends when we realize the complexity that can arise from causes of depression in our lives? And the particular complexity I think you were talking about and wanted to address, and this question was, how is depression correlated with our own personal sin? Because that's an area that we need to talk about too, We can't acknowledge the fact that depression is a phenomenon that comes as part of a fact of living in a fallen world, apart from also acknowledging the fact that sometimes we, as fallen creatures, do sinful things that lead us to be depressed. Right. So how does Scripture speak to the correlation between depression and our own personal sin? That's a great question. And yeah, so as we kind of looked
1: back and thought through where we've been before in this series and and where we want to go, that really came to the fore for me. Mm -hmm. You know, sin comes from really three places and that's going to be Satan. He often Mm -hmm. tempts and is the originator of sin. The world, the world itself does not know the Lord and therefore is a source of temptation. And then our own hearts. And so my sense was that, I focused a lot on those first two and maybe Mm -hmm. not quite enough on that last one to be able to say that there are times when we act in a sinful way that then leads us to reap the benefits of that action, which include a depressive state. So for example, you have King Saul. King Saul oftentimes found himself in a very depressed state. He's almost, I mean, you hate to psychologize and foist modern-day language or diagnoses onto ancient peoples, but he does have a sort of bipolar, manic-depressive sort of tendency. Yeah. And you will see in him that his depression, when he is sad and overwhelmingly sad, is often correlated with his sin. When he does something against what Samuel would have told him was the right and righteous thing, what God's word through Samuel would have told him was the right and righteous thing. When he allowed his concern for his own personal glory, we think about how frustrated he was with David because of that little uh, ancient Near Eastern ditty. Saul killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. (laughs) And so, uh, you know, allowing himself to be concerned with his own... Reputation. Yeah, reputation and glory then led to him actually experiencing something of depression. And so I think Mm. you can see inside of Scripture that there are times in which, because we have neglected to kill sin—that might be Mm. one of the first and primary ones—we know it's there, and we're allowing ourselves to be lazy— Allowing ourselves to be gluttonous, allowing ourselves Mm. to be lustful, allowing ourselves to be controlled by the fear of man. And we know that those things are contra to the way that the Lord would have us live, and Mm. yet we still allow ourselves to engage in those behaviors, and the result is that we find ourselves downtrodden and depressed. Or it Mm. might be that we are neglecting our spiritual health. We're not doing things like reading God's Word, which is the manna for our soul, regularly. We're not able to worship. And I think we talked about this a little bit last time in this pandemic season. It's really hard for us to worship corporately, and therefore everyone's soul is slightly depressed. But in outside of those sort of seasons, people go through times in life where they volitionally, willfully choose to neglect the worshiping of God, and that can lead their souls to end up into a depressive state. Or they can become so enamored with the world and worldly things rather than the spiritual things of Christ— that they find themselves depressed because the worldly things never ultimately fulfill or satisfy. The promises of the world will always be empty, and the promises of Christ will always be fulfilling. Mm. So in those areas, I just wanted to say you can, through your own sinful patterns, end up in a depressive state. Now, it's really important that we say that is one of the ways it is not the only way. And we Mm. don't want to be like Job's friend. Job's friends believed that the truth was Job must have done something wrong in order to be where he is. He was reaping what he sowed. Now, there is absolutely a scriptural principle that we reap what we sow. But, and this is a Jim Packer quote, when you take a half-truth, and you try Mm. to make it a whole truth, what you end up with is a whole untruth. Sure. And so... If your entire paradigm is, why is my loved one feeling depressed? Well, it's got to be their personal sin. They must have done something. So you need to repent and you need to stop doing whatever you're doing sinfully. Then you find yourself in the Job's friend category versus being able to say, well, maybe you're depressed just because your soul realizes it lives in a fallen world, worldly sin. Maybe it's depressed because it's under attack by Satan, a Satan-originated sin, or maybe it's because you yourself personally have engaged in sinful habits, and probably it's all three.
0: Mm. That shows the complexity of this topic, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. If that didn't and, make and you begin answers, to throw your hands up and just wonder, it's just like, oh man. But go ahead, I'm sorry.
1: No, no, no. It's just that answers are are usually not simple because the mm. situation that yields depression is often not simple.
0: Yeah, for sure. And two, I think you can especially see that in terms of becoming enamored with the world. A good example, I think, of that would be in Tony Reinke's book, Competing Spectacles. He writes of some Australian influencer on Instagram who went off the grid totally because she had become so consumed with constantly sort of beginning to curate her image through social media, so enamored with the affection and the love that she got from people, just from posting pictures of herself and others, that she realized she was enslaved to it. And she she couldn't eat, she couldn't sleep. Like That continued for weeks on end, and it seemed from her account in his book that she was discussing what seemed like a depressive state. And so it's surreal to begin to see the way that our hearts are just so prone to this spiritual malady, not that we need to be super concerned about it or constantly in anxious state over whether we're there, but it so broadens our definition when you work through those three categories that it helps us approach it with much more humility.
1: Right, and honestly, I, I think you know one of the books that I have recommended a number of times. I probably recommended it here on just in the series, but Deep Work, mm-hmm. that book really helps to show how social media. I'm I'm not. A Luddite, and for those who don't know what Luddite means, because the first time Derek used it, I had to look it up. Uh, A a Luddite (laughs) is somebody who's anti-technology, right? So a a Luddite (laughs) would be someone who doesn't have an email address, doesn't have a phone, doesn't text, doesn't have social media. I'm not not a Luddite. I actually like technology, was a a technology worker for a decade, and so I'm not anti-social media as such. However, social media seems to be one of those things that requires exponentially more effort to do well than Hmm. what most people understand in the amount of time you give it, what you curate, not your image, right? Because you're really not trying to curate your image. If you're not allowing it to have too much control over you, you're curating how much you're watching, how much you're seeing, how much other people's feeds you're allowing to shape your world and your view of yourself and everyone else, and how much emotional holdover there is for every statement you read or every story you see, how much mm-hmm. your ability to concentrate. And to do things that require significant, sustained effort languish when you're used to just scrolling through feeds and feeds and feeds. And what you find is is that you're constantly numb as you just th- scroll through all these feeds looking for something mm. to enrapture you for 15 to 20 seconds. And you're exhausted, numb,
0: and then depressed, you know? Mm. Or even just the sense of obligation and ought that's created by the particular moments that are preserved in these different forms of media of one common narrative that I hear my friends working through as as they're on social media and doing different things in the digital world is constantly battling all the expectations of what their life should look like in comparison to all their friends around them. (laughs)
1: Right. Well, and another piece that you brought that up is how are you supposed to respond in a particular cultural moment? So a lot of people, Mm. some crisis will arise in our culture, and if you don't openly denounce it immediately, you're seen as Mm. somehow condoning it. When when you may just be trying to reserve judgment until you understand the situation better— Um, Hmm. And so people feel a lot of pressure to make judgments, to openly air them in order that they might be seen as an agent of change, they might be on the right side of history, they might be even just compassionate to their friends that are deeply affected by that sort of thing. When in general, before that, you just would have had time, A, to consider it, and B, you'd have had the relationships, genuine relationships to talk through it, be face-to-face, eye-to-eye, rather than just Hmm. all online relationships where people cut each other off at the drop of a hat you know if you if you think x that's it you're no longer my friend you know yeah for sure and and it's hard when that's the sort of Mm. a relational emotional bullying that you receive and and i hope you're not one of the ones doing it out there to not end up depressed
0: Sure, and then even then, as you talked about the neglecting of our spiritual needs, the being the enamored with the world, it's easy to pick on social media. But for me, when I think of overindulging, in some sense, you know, I think every single person has those moments where on the end of a day it's been a hard day and they're just like i'm just going to go stand in my pantry for 10 minutes and down a bag of chocolate chips <laughs> right right you know yeah. it's like it, it it shows that we are susceptible creatures but it also shows that our hearts just we look for and long for comfort acceptance power control through these little things like food through social acclaim through Yep. Any of these different areas that it just shows you the way that idolatry can so quickly lead to our enslavement, can so quickly lead to us being in this place where we're not meant to be. And that's not to say that this is all the sole cause of it. But when I wake up the next morning and I feel a, a stomach pain and I'm sluggish the rest of the day because I downed a bag of chocolate tips from a stressful day the day before, that can become a pattern that just begins to overrule our lives. All that to say, it's amazing to see the complexity behind this but also to know that sometimes it's not those things sometimes it is life in a fallen world